Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Season of Sports, where we can officially say football is coming back. And I've got a good friend of mine joining me. He is a presenter, pundit, poet, and podcaster, Bleacher Report's own Jack Collins. How are you, buddy? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Very good. The poet bit. Yeah, talk to me, talk me through the poet bit. Well, I started doing when we started doing BL football ranks I started throwing in some some poetry to start episodes off and you know I've just sort of grown into it a little bit so I, I often often have a poem at the beginning of, of ranks and it you know a football related poem do a couple of bits and bobs and and off we go so they've they've got some traction so it's put my literature degree to work in some way at least well there you go you are a man of many talents as some uh... Some would say, uh, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And um, as, I, as I said earlier, uh, football is coming back officially. Um, looks as if we're going to have all the major leagues, obviously, barring, barring France, restarted in the next couple of weeks here. Um, Premier League have announced the 17th of June as a start date. La Liga's back on the 11th. And we here in Italy are back uh, with Serie uh, on the 20th, but obviously Coppa Italia to deal with. On the 13th. How excited are you? Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I mean, you know, there, there was a lot of talk in the, in the interim period. And I've loved having the Bundesliga back. Um, but obviously expanding that to, to all the leagues is, is going to be joyful in so many ways. I mean, I really did hit the depths. I watched quite a lot of Belarusian football. I watched some Korean football. And, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed myself. But the, the return of things that I can watch on the TV rather than on a sort of weird little stream on my laptop of, is something that excites me majorly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm right with you there. I mean, um, uh, us, the deepest football fans, will go to any lengths to watch games, but I oh, think yeah. it's, uh, it's much easier to watch Köln and Leipzig tonight rather than uh, some of the Korean teams. At least we know what's, what's going on. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, we're going to go through some of the leagues here just to kind of, Get your thoughts before before they restart, and I guess how we could how it could all look and how it's all shaping up to be. And um, I want to start with La Liga, to be honest with you. Um, we've got the 11th of June. We've got a date with the Seville Derby, which is a little bit close to your heart, I believe. Um, the game starting us off on that that night with the Betis. Sevilla Derby. How do you? I know you're a Betis fan, right? I am indeed. I mean, I was oh, supposed to go. I was supposed there to be go. at this game, which kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Oh, it was no. supposed to be my first Seville Derby, um, but alas, we are here, and you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be quite to plan. But I am, I'm, I'm excited that Betis are back, um, and it's, it's one of those funny things that you know they were the real, the first real team I, I kind of adopted in in later life, and so I've been following them for six, seven years now, and it, it, you know, when you when you grow up as, as a football fan I grew up as a Fulham fan it's just kind of instilled in you that's that's what you are because my dad was a Fulham fan my granddad was a Fulham fan when he came over from Ireland and all of these things have just been there's no there's no choice in the matter you are a Fulham fan and that is it but when I started to pick up teams later in life it was Betis that were the first club to really draw me in and I, I got really really intrigued by the club and I loved the way that they played sort of kamikaze style football for so many years and then, yeah, I think that's interesting because it's the first time you really get the kind of freedom of choice in many ways to, to kind of fall in love with the club. And I then spent years kind of developing that affinity. And so I'm, I'm delighted that they're going to be the ones on the big stage when it comes back. And look, Sevilla having an unbelievable season, hurt me as much as it does to say it, uh, third in the league. And, and Betis have been below par for, for quite a lot of it. It was a really good summer, a lot of additions. Nabil Fekir obviously coming in and he was the, you know, the headline signing, but some really good pickups. 
from Betis. And it felt like this was a squad ready to kick on from sort of a Europa League spot and, and really start to kind of challenge maybe the top four. And it, it hasn't quite worked out. And there's a lot of talent in this squad. And we saw them beat Real Madrid a couple of weeks before the, the lockdown was enforced. And, and so there is there is ability here and, and quite a lot of talent, but just quite haven't performed. And, and I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out against the Sevilla side that have been very much the, you know, not surprise package because Sevilla are Sevilla, but they, they've been really good this season. They're above Atleti, they're above Real Sociedad, who have been probably the real surprise package, above Getafe, Valencia, big sides, good sides. And um, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out. Well, I guess also losing your coach for Betis hasn't helped either, has it? Yeah, it's a weird one. Obviously, when when Kike left, and I think there was there was many tears shed, but there was also this kind of feeling that he'd maybe taken a squad as as far as he could. I think uh, among a lot of people around, it was it's one of those ones where his football is beautiful on the eye, easy to watch. I love the fact that that he plays the way that his his philosophy demands, and he won't really take no for an answer if it means stretching that philosophy but I think there was also a side, a side of people in, in Betis who were like it, it might need to stretch a bit more and it might need to be a bit more resilient and and a little bit more durable in some way so I think there was that and, and that kind of element of it felt like it was kind of the end of the road for both parties and then for that to then fizzle out a little bit and, and Ruby came in with quite a you know an expanding reputation he'd done well in his last job and you kind of expected things to jump on a notch and it hasn't quite worked for him, but there are kind of flickers of life here and there. So, you know, it's, it's been a kind of transitional season and that's obviously quite weird, but also, you know, you come in, you expect this side to kick on and yet there's always going to be talk of Fekir being poached. There's always going to be talk of, of the big names going elsewhere. And, and that in itself is also a bit of a, you know, half and half. You're like, Oh, is this a transitional year? Or is this just how betters are now? So, so yeah, it's, um, really intrigued to see how the how the break changes things because i mean if anything there's you know recovery from injuries and all those different elements of it but also it's to see who can kick out of the break and kick out of a slumber fastest right you know we saw at the start of the bundesliga coming back in the first half of schalke dortmund it, it really did take a little while for teams to kind of find their groove and get going and i think we're starting to see the bundesliga pick up spice and and drama now a little bit more. But at the start, it was a little bit cagey. So I'm intrigued how that plays out, given that this is a derby like the Olivia derby was for Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. But I couldn't have picked a much better fixture, really, to get La Liga going. And I mean, for me, Betis has always been one of those clubs where they're such a giant in Spanish football and such rich tradition that you always want them to do well. Because if they are um, a club that is doing well, then there's not many better places to play your football. Um, than over there in Seville. So that, that that's that's a really nice game to look forward to. But to break La Liga down a little bit further, we'll look at the title race. Obviously, two-horse race, as you can say, between Barca and Real. Two points, the gap. Um, who, do you, who do you fancy kind of out of this? I know it's difficult to say, but you know, do you think Barca will, will hold on to that lead? Yeah, it's a really difficult one to call. I think that Barcelona probably have the form given, you know, they've lost once in the last six. But, in you know, obviously that, that counts for very little now that we've had a, a two-and-a-half-month break. Look, this is a Real Madrid team, and I'm going to use this phrase again, but in transition. And I think it is, you know, that's still that moving away from Cristiano being part of that side. But also, you know, we saw them spend quite a lot of money last summer, the likes of Furlong Mendy, who's, you know, improved rapidly after quite a weird start. We haven't seen that much of Eda Militao. Luka Jovic has had a very strange season where 
He just doesn't seem to be trusted by Zidane. And and then when you look at all of those things put together, it would seem to be a, a year where Real Madrid are, are working their way to something else. And yet they're two points off. If they hadn't lost in the last match week, they which you know, arguably they shouldn't have done, they would be top of the league going into this break. And, and Barcelona seemed to be a club to tearing on the edge of crisis. And, you know, it's weird to say that given that, you know, these are the two behemoths of world football, if you will. They are, you know, two of the biggest clubs on the planet. And yet Barcelona at the at the moment seem to be constantly just on the edge of of falling down a ravine. And, and you know, it's, it's that man Leo Messi who keeps dragging them out of it by the skin of their teeth in, in so many different ways. But they do feel like they've got, mistakes and slip-ups and errors in them this year and Real Madrid also have shown that they are not a particularly dominant you know force in as much as they have been in in recent years obviously it's easy to say that when they've lost three times all year in the league but like actually they haven't massively performed a lot of the time I think and you saw the City game in the Champions League before the break and obviously that tie isn't over but it felt like City were the the team the bigger team and Real Madrid felt like the kind of almost underdog which is nuts to say of a team of Real Madrid's stature and yet there's a nagging feeling that I think Barcelona will just have enough to get it over the line but I think that their dominance and their supremacy is probably about to come to an end if not this season then maybe next. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's a strange situation at the top in Spain there because, say, Barca, not not the powerhouse that they w- once were. I guess they were for the last few years, and and Real Madrid, a team in transition that's, again, you know, looking to kind of build a new, build a new spine and build a new era, um, almost. Uh, exactly new era, era, exactly. So it's something that it's interesting to see, and I think the most interesting race. It's going to be those those races for the other Champions League spots in the European places because I think from Sevilla in third um, to Valencia in seventh is a five point gap. Now we played Sevilla twice in the Europa League earlier this year with Carabag and you know they, they they've got a heck of a squad um, and obviously they can they can rotate a lot and and do some good things. I mean, which which of these teams do you like the best? You see Sevilla staying in that th- sort of third place. You see Atleti making a run because. Atleti again. They almost is is the end near for Simeone. I mean, I, I know they had a great win against Liverpool in the Champions League, but it almost seems like that run could be coming to an end as yeah, well. Yeah, they don't feel like the defensive powerhouse that they used to be, and and obviously their major issue this year has been drawing too many games rather than losing them. But they feel like they're missing something, and, and you know the likes of Jao Felix, who you know I personally love, and I think he's a wonderful footballer, and he's just wasn't really sparking into life and then he got an injury and it all just seemed to be not right and just as the break happened it felt like he was coming good and so I'm intrigued to see if he can be the spark for that Atleti side I mean look they're one point off yeah off Sociedad in, in four two points off Sevilla in, in third uh, I still see them finishing in a Champions League spot but I think they do need some sort of spark and I, I'm interested because you know Simeone will have suitors, of course, because what he's look at what the job he's done there is has been absolutely, you know, nothing short of incredible in so many ways. But you know, I always thought that his next move would be Inter, given the situation, given the the, the history he has with the club. And yet Inter are in the middle of their own rebuild project under Antonio Conte. So for him to to kind of move on, I I'm I'm kind of struggling to see right now where he'd go. Because 
there aren't that many clubs of a higher stature than Atleti looking for a new manager, and especially not ones who play, who are looking to play in a style that the Cholo has made his own. So, so that I think he, I don't think his time is coming to an end at Atleti unless he wants it to. Um, but I do think they've drawn way too many games, and I think that unless well, Ishal Felix can can be that spark, then they will definitely secure a Champions League spot. If he can't, then we've got a hell of a race on our hands. And you know whether that's for you know for the Champions League spots or for for the Europa League spots, I think this is so open. And you know it's easy to say this as you know Betis are eight points above relegation and nine points below Europa League. And, you know, it's funny one because I, I think about it quite a lot and I'm like, oh, maybe maybe we just make a late run, you know, a couple of good wins here and we could maybe sneak into seventh. And you, you definitely look at that, but Valencia will be looking at this and going, well, we're five points behind third. We can make a run at third. And it, it's really tight. And, you know, like you say, this is, I think La Liga is one of the, the leagues that's, that's most intriguing right now because there are genuine races all over the league you know there are races for the champions league spots there are races to europa league spots there's a real relegation scrap and there's a title scrap, a title race so uh, this kind of has everything going into the last what nine games yeah. we have we have full-on yeah. all of the things that we're, we're excited for and uh, yeah I, i'm i think of all of them it's the league that i'm excited most about the, the all the different outcomes that we have kind of on the table right now no it's going to be awesome as you said there's a full-on you know, race for all the kind of major positions you say. I mean, you look at relegation, Espanol probably will be cut adrift on, on 20 points, but they're, they're still in it. You know, they're still in it. They're a couple of good results, as you say, and everything can change. And I think it goes up to Valladolid, who are in 15th, I believe, with 29 points. I don't think, I think they're probably on that cusp. Um, a couple of results will do them in the world of good, really. And um, so I'm, I'm curious to see where, where this kind of, um, Spanish league takes us and it's probably the one with the most races really most intriguing race I mean some of the big clubs Espanol in last place I mean that's a gigantic club yeah um, what's going on wrong there I mean it's just it's just an incredible situation really so um, can't wait can't wait to see where um, the Spanish league ends up so yeah we'll, uh, we'll, we'll all be excited for the return of that now moving on I want to move on to, to Italy yeah, over here let's um, do it so we've got We've got uh, Syria starting on the 20th. Uh, we've got the first fixture now confirmed. The fixture list came out. Torino, Parma on the 20th. Um, but there's a small matter of us, AC Milan and Juve, um, sorting out our second leg of the um, sorting out the second leg of the Coppa Italia semi-final. And of course, you have Inter Napoli in the other one. Um, interesting to see, of course. So I won't get too much in that because can't give too much in an opinion. But we're um, we're looking forward to that game. That's going to be a big game for us because, um, you know, our season almost rests on, well, not rest. We're still in the Europa League race, so there's still plenty to play for. But I think it's all about the title race in Italy. Would you Would you agree? I mean, um, Juve, Lazio, finally Juve, after many years, have pushed the brink really here now. Um, and Lazio, just a formidable force. I mean, led by Simeone and Zaghi. Um, such a great culture they have there, team spirit. Um how do you see that kind of working out? Because I think it's July the 20th we're going to have lots yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, it's one of these, isn't it? The last time that there was a real title race in Serie A was Maurizio Sarri's Napoli, you know, running against yeah. Juventus. And this time, Maurizio Sarri's in charge of Juve. So I'd be really intrigued to see how he copes with being 
the leader uh, rather than the kind of upstart challenger because that that really seemed to suit him in in Italy you know it really seemed to suit the way that he played the kind of swashbuckling nature of that side and and all of those things so i mean this lazio side are are very different you know they they are not a swashbuckling you know attacking flying force they are a very well drilled very well you know rounded side that's based on a, a very good core of experience in the league you know some real talents in there Milinkovic Savic Luis Alberto as you know you know Chiro Mobley up front has been a force of nature frankly and and I think they'll push them all the way the the question is have they got enough to topple the dynasty I don't know I don't know the answer to that just yet but I am intrigued to see how they start because if Lazio fly out of the blocks I think that Juve might stutter. I just have a, a funny feeling that Juve being away from, from it for so long would just have a little bit more rust in the tank. You know, there's there's a lot of players there who are you're not reaching the end of their careers. I wouldn't be you know foolish enough to, to suggest that these are players that are past it at all. But they are, you know, they've, they've won the title for a long time here. And, you know, there is that kind of sense of when will this end? And I'll be so intrigued to see if, you know, the, the old heads, the experienced heads in that dressing room, Buffon, Chiellini, Ronaldo, will be able to, you know, G everyone back up to be like, right, I know we've run, won, you know, so many in a row. But we need to actually get this one over the line as well because, you know, there's there's a danger that can, complacency can creep in there. I have a funny feeling Lazio will do it. I, 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 I know they I think I was probably more confident before the break. I honestly thought, if this was gonna, if that continued that way, that the sort of momentum Lazio were on, they were just on fire. They I just don't thought, lose. They were, just, they couldn't lose, but they had that togetherness that you know, it's that sort of Leicester run, just something where that team, and unless they were somehow lost a couple of players to injury or something that was devastating, you didn't see it. And I just thought you saw a couple of cracks with Juve. You were not convincing in any, in any way, shape, or form. Almost that sorry effect. Did, have they really taken to him? Have they bought into his system and his way of work? Um, all the all the stars as you mentioned. I mean, have, is this something that they really want to do? And just, just I just felt for some reason Lazio. Now this break might have come at the best possible yeah. time for Juve, or or yeah. and and you know sort of slowed Lazio down a little bit, or it's 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 something where you know Lazio just going to continue winning and. Uh, and gonna and gonna take this one, but I I felt like they had an incredible momentum, and I just have a sneaky feeling. Lots the other thing is they're too. not in any other cups anymore, so you know they've got this kind yeah. of free slate, free run of it, and we know how much the Champions League means to Juventus. We know that bringing Cristiano in was was basically a we need to win the Champions League thing. It's, you know you don't bring in someone on that kind of money or on that kind of wages to win another championship if, you, if you're Juventus it, it doesn't make sense it doesn't add up given that they won the last seven in a row when he came in so for for them there is that focus on the Champions League and it's gonna it's gonna be hard because you know they're down to Leon after that first leg there's a lot kind of riding on it they've got as you say the game against you guys coming up in the, in the Coppa Italia and given that this the Super Cup went the way it is I'm sure they're not gonna be looking at that and going that's a minor trophy. That'd be the first one to get something on the board and and think, right, we need to get some silverware on the deck this season and then and then we'll look at the rest of it. So that's an advantage for Lazio, I think. We've seen in the Bundesliga this week, I think especially, the effects that having multiple games in weeks has had for the first time. I think that 
we saw an, a real kind of slow down after the midweek fixtures where we saw a, a couple of really shock results. You know, the Wolfsburg uh, absolutely hammering Leverkusen is the one that stands out. But we saw a few results where we thought, well, that's pretty weird. And then and then suddenly, you, you know, I guess the weekend and people are, you know, you saw how slow Dortmund were to start against Paderborn. And I'm, I'll be intrigued now to see how the fixture schedule and the the build-up of these fixtures affects Juventus in the run-in because if you're looking at that, then Lazio have the clear slate. Yeah, also interesting to see because you can, you can go both ways, though, can Jack? Because you're going to have you're going to playing every three days now, yeah. more or less. Um, and Juve's so squad deep. is so deep, right? And I think if 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 God forbid, you know, Lazio or someone gets one one or two niggles, and those games start piling up because we have the most, we have twelve yeah, games yeah. to play. You know, so it's one of those where if the, if it's going to be a squad thing, which is it's going to be, then that's where you really have the edge because they can rotate, you know, world class player for world class player, really. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Anything else in the Syria ah, that sticks out to you? Um, kind of looking at the yeah, the I mean, the, there's there's obviously the question of Europe to settle, um, and I know you guys are, are very much in that race, and you know, it's a there's there's lots to go there, but you know we've seen how free scoring Atalanta are. They're in they're in the, the hunt for for fourth. Roma in that in that hunt, and I imagine Napoli probably haven't quite given up on it yet. Although I think it might be slightly slightly outside their reach at nine points. Um, but you know there's there's a lot going on there. There's there's a lot of of things, and there's still a couple of big derbies going on. You know the the one thing you definitely don't want if you're if you're a Roma fan, much as you're like right, we need to get fourth, is you can't let Lazio win the title at our. Oh God, no, yeah. So there's God, there's no. loads of scores to be settled. I think is the the really intriguing thing left. You know, like you say, twelve games left. Most teams have to play most teams. You know, there's there's a lot going on here, and you know, I think that it's easy to forget that you know you saw we saw Cagliari have such a, such a good start to the season, and everyone from I think eleventh downwards is in you know is in a relegation scrap, which is insane. You've got ten teams yeah. in a you know okay. I think I think Brescia are probably done, but Aside from that, you know, the, that 18th spot is going to be an absolute scramble. And I think, you know, I, I have my soft spots for Fiorentina still, but, you know, they're five points clear. That's not enough. I, I don't think that's enough to, to justify you going safety. And I think they will be OK. I, I don't think they will get relegated. But, uh, you know, it's not something that's particularly comfortable as looking at that and you go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that there's only seven points between 18th and 10th. Those teams that scares me as, and I think it should scare any of the, those teams in that bottom half. And so this is it. Like you know, we spoke about Sp- Spain having it everywhere. I think this is this is another one where th- there's so much to play for, and people kind of you know, I think that also in in Spain you kind of people forget that outside of you know the derby of the capital and outside the Clasco and and maybe El Gran Derby. They, they don't really, you know, there's no real grudge matches. Even you look at, you know, the Basque and, and that the Basque derby and, and that's all quite friendly. You know, they're obviously going to want to win, but fans sit with each other. It's all kind of, you know, quite nice. And then you look at this and you think of all the grudge matches left to play in this division and you're thinking, yeah, OK, all right. There, there's a lot going on here. And, and I think that's what excites me most about, you know, about about Serie A. And, you know, Juventus still have to go to Fiorentina and, you know, how how deep that that blood enemy runs you know you look at that and you think well Fiorentina aren't going to want to lose the title to Juventus or, or let Juventus win the title at their place either and there's so many of those little things going on and you're thinking yeah there's a lot of storylines here and I mean storylines are what we play for hey 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I called this a couple of months ago when, when it's all sort of kicked off and we spoke on my podcast. I just said, I can't wait. I just want it to be a football feast and you're going to have games every day. This is going to be an absolute... Trying to keep up with it is going to be, it's <laughs> going to be hard enough. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. We got 12 games. It's going to be an absolute free-for-all because lots of things to play for. Games all the time. Squads stretched. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have suspensions. It's just going to be sort of a last man standing here. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't wait for it, especially the fact that we have 12 games to go here. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting. Jack Collins joining me here from Bleach Report, host of the Football Rank Show with our friend Sam Tai, who you know, I'm sure is devastated. He's not part of He's already, he's, he's already rang me so. to see why he was invited, but I told him that I told him he couldn't, be, too, he couldn't I, be on too many things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We don't want to see his face absolutely everywhere. There's no need for that. Um, but I wanted to keep the Premier League to last. And to be honest, it's kind of the league where maybe the least amount mm-hmm. of things are going on because we have Liverpool yeah. as the clear champions. Matter of time, matter yeah. Matter of formality, really. Yeah. Um, do we have a top four race? I mean, you have sort of Chelsea. Yeah, I think we've got a top four race. Eight. Well, also, the other thing yeah. that's intriguing about that is the Man City ban is currently upheld, right? So it's actually a top five race yeah. uh, at the moment. Well, it's a top five race. That's a great point, actually. That's an incredibly great point because that, that stretches a little bit. And that obviously you have Chelsea at um, 48 points in fourth. And I think Leicester, you know, they're five points ahead of Chelsea. Leicester should be in a top four. Um, I think you have Chelsea at 48 points in fourth and Arsenal in ninth at 40. So... That fifth place is a bit of a carrot, isn't it? For especially for likes of Arsenal, because normally you probably would have ruled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, Sheffield United win their game in hand, they get, they go fifth, and I mean they've been the the yeah. feel good story of the year. They've been the you know the, the underdog story of the year. They are such a well drilled, such a good unit. And I mean, look, my one of our best friends at work, Joe, is is a big Blades fan, and I think we've all been kind of you know all of us who aren't involved in in the race ourselves obviously where there are there are fans of all the top 6 basically in the office but for those of us who are who are neutral in that race you know Sheffield United have been the one that we've been like go on then you know we'd love to see that and yeah. and Chrissy Wilder's done such a good job there it's such a a team that has been developed through the divisions and, and you know the core of it has been with them for you know since league 1 and you look at that and you go yeah that's a brilliant story let's you know let's get Sheffield United into Europe but you know even them they'd be I imagine delighted with the Europa League spot because you know this. They, if you'd asked them what their priority was at the start of the season, I imagine they would have told you they were going to try and stay up, and and no one gave them any you know real chance with the budget they had and all these things. And I think that you know on the whole they've been the real kind of feel good story, and I really am hoping that they they really do give this a run right to the end of the season because it's good for everyone. It it keeps everyone engaged, and you know on top of that you're looking at your Chelsea's, your Man United's. Tottenham and Arsenal both will be in, in that hunt. And, you know, it's often fun to, to support the underdog, isn't it? Well, listen, if Sheffield United get in the Champions League spot, I mean, you've got to give Chris Wilder lifetime right, exactly. contracts. Well, remember how remember <laughs> happened mean, to Ranieri. What, 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 what more could you do? I mean, what more could you do by winning yeah. the league? <laughs> if he, he can't do better than that, can you? So, um, you know, that that's just an incredible job, as you say, what he's done and what he's built at his club and obviously his hometown club as well, which makes it um, even, even more special and sweet, I think. So uh, very, very cool. But I guess the meat of the race and uh, the Premier League is going to be the relegation battle. Um, we got Aston Villa 
I mean, Norwich probably yeah. a little bit adrift again in, in 20th. Um, but I think Villa from 19th to Brighton in 15th, it's 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 a four-point gap. So, you know, that's, I think, the, what's going to be the most intriguing race. How yeah, you, I mean, it's really anybody's it? game down there. And, and and Norwich, I think, I like the way Norwich play. I like the fact that they came up and, and tried to stick to, to the way they played, but it hasn't worked. And, you know, unfortunately for them, I think they are going to go down and i also think that when they do go down they're going to be asset stripped because they have some Mm. very very talented footballers there and it hasn't you know quite come off but you look at the likes of todd campwell the fullbacks um adams and lewis you look at emmy buendia who's been an absolute diamond in the 10 and and you think yeah that that side's going to get torn apart and yeah, yeah, even Timo Pukki, Pukki, who's um who's done so well, and and yes, it, it dried up a little bit, but what a start he had, and and what an exciting kind of exciting player he was for that first half of the season. Aside from that, I mean, I know one of your old clubs, Bournemouth, right embroiled in this. I, I think they've they've had a really hard season. Um, they haven't they haven't quite climbed to the heights that Eddie Howe had taken them to in, in previous seasons, and. I love Eddie Howe. I think he's a wonderful manager who's done an absolutely incredible job at a club the size of Bournemouth. And, and to keep them in the in the league for, for this amount of time is just an incredible feat in itself. Um, the, the, the kind of cynic in me thinks that this season was probably one season too far. Um, and I think that where if, if it comes to it, I think that they will be one of the three. I actually would argue that I think the current bottom three are the three that will go. Well... I um I said seeing, friends, I hope, I hope I'm wrong for your Bournemouth friends as well. But I, I do I do think that, that bottom three right. right now is how I see it going. Yeah. I mean I really to be honest with you, as I think as you mentioned just a, f- a few minutes ago, it's just anyone's game. I mean I can't um Bournemouth, yeah, I'll put my Bournemouth hat on, but I, I can't see it the favorite, you know, you just have you know, when you sometimes you look at a team like like they're just too good to go down or they have too much quality. And I think yeah. it's incredibly even. I just I find it incredibly tough, tough to call. I mean, Villa have that game. And it hand. is against Sheffield United. Um, well, <laughs> it is in Sheffield United, which, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But at the beginning of the season, you're thinking, that's a relegation oh, that, scrap that, be, with you know, eight games. That's, that's, that's a relegation scrap. Whereas now, you know, Sheffield United yeah, yeah. the Champions League but- spot. So. I really don't see it. I fear a little bit for Brighton, I have to say, just because they've been in a little yeah. bit of a free fall, to be honest. And I don't know yeah. I don't know if they have that that something to, to stay up. Maybe I think their, their goal difference is quite important. Their goal games. difference is, you know, seven yeah. better than West Ham below them, but also 10 better than Bournemouth and, and, and 14 better than Villa, yeah. which is, That's you know, and we forget how important that yeah. is when it gets to the end of the season. I remember Fulham staying up on the last day with Reading having to score eight goals. And they, I think they were 4-0 up at half time, and I was terrified. Yeah. But, you know, you, you don't want to be making eight goals up on, on the, in the last day of the season. It's just not a plausible strategy, especially if you're one of the weakest sides in the division and you're in a relegation scrap, the chances are you're not going to be looking to, you know, to bang eight past someone, you know, to, to save your own hide. And um, look, there's, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You know, normally you, you look at teams and you, you think you're too good to go down, but actually from, from Villa up, I think you can look at teams and, and you know what, even Norwich, you look at, I mentioned four, four players off the cuff there, you know, right at the beginning. And you think those players are talented Premier League footballers and it just hasn't quite worked out for them. But, 
you look at Villa's squad, you look at the likes of Tyrone Mings, you look at Jack Grealish, you look at the players they oh, brought yeah. in, yeah. and you think, yeah, probably too good to go down. But you know, three teams get relegated every year, and 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 that is the you know the cold hard backs of it. And you know, Bournemouth squad is 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 packed full of talent. Watford squad is good. West Ham have so much talent in their ranks they can't play in them all. They have about fifteen number tens. Um, and 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 even Brighton, you know, like you say, a good manager who did a good job at the start of the season. It, it has fallen away a bit, like you say. But you know, they they started the season really well, and you started to see some really nice stuff from Get Graham Potter's Brighton. Uh, and yet, they're all embroiled in this relegation scrap. And you know, it's West Ham, I think, the one that that really scares me. Although Watford is a strange one. If Troy Deeney isn't coming back, and you lose your captain, you lose your you know your anchor. And and you know, fair mm. play to him. I, I think his reasons for for not wanting to to return to football are completely reasonable and, and quite legitimate. Um, and and I think that. You know, you'll be able to tell them more than anyone, but you try people who are trying to tell people that footballers don't want to get back to playing football, you know, but baffles me. Of course they do. It's like, you know, that's it's a thing that, that that seems to be that kind of repeated, but there's nothing that would make me more confused and thinking, well, you don't want to get back to doing the thing you love. No, no, absolutely. I mean, you you can be more spot on. I, I just think that that's the thing we've kind of analyzed it and and I don't think we we know any better who, which one here is a favorite or which one's going to go down. I think it's going to be fascinating. That's the race. Really, I've got my own for several reasons, but obviously, uh, uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Let, let's see what happens. Well, Jack, listen, I appreciate you joining me here. I hope you have all your subscriptions ready because you're going to have Sky, you're going to have BT, you're going to have Amazon, you're going to have BBC. So I hope you're going to have Premier Sport, La Liga TV. I mean, I hope it's all up to date. That's all I can say because you're going to be in an absolute... A whirlwind, yeah. I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to re- <laughs> re-kick off a couple of the uh, the subscriptions, I think. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Sam and I have been doing yeah. trying our hand at commentary recently. So I'm excited about expanding that a little bit outside the Bundesliga and seeing if we can we can take that to some other, some other places. That's awesome. Um, well, listen, guys, make sure you follow Jack. Bleacher Report Football. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Um, it's a great follow. And obviously, listen to the Football Rank show. Um, I was actually lucky enough to be a guest. What a great chat we had with Jack Collins there from Bleacher Report. Um, he's awesome. Uh, like I said, I was lucky enough to be on the Football Rank show um, last year. And um, you know, those guys are really, really cool guys and um, know what they're doing. So that was a great episode. Let's, can't wait for this football to come up. You know, we've been all star for sports. June's going to be a big month for the restart of sport. You know, hopefully we'll get some more positive news out of the States as well. With maybe baseball, with the NBA coming back. Golf is back um, in a few days. So slowly but surely sport is coming back, which makes all of us sports not absolutely delighted. And, um, you know, glad to see the whole pandemic getting under control all over the world. So um, no huddle this time. Uh, we're going to get some questions in next time. We're a little bit tight for time. For this this week, but we'll get some more questions in for next week. So make sure you get them, you know, send over guys, slide into my DMs, whatever you need to do. Um, get your questions in and make sure you keep listening to us. Audio Boom, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please leave us a review. It always means a lot. And um, I'll be back with you guys very, very soon.